and I've noticed that the way podcasting leads to relationships with your audience, the audience then leads to opportunities, which lead to more relationships, which lead to more opportunities. And it just kind of snowballs along. And so it's interesting when I go to these different events, it's going to summer camp. When I see you and all these people, it's big hugs all around and you just kind of pick up right where you left off. Podcast Junkies, episode 334. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. I say welcome back to my regular listeners because I give them all virtual hugs. I roll out the carpet. I was going to say green carpet or yellow carpet. I don't know if it's based on <laughs> your show colors. Uh, I roll out the red carpet and welcome them with open arms and welcome you with open arms if you are coming back week after week or you've been periodically checking in and out. And I just appreciate anything that you've done to support the show over the years, over the past months, over the past few weeks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It makes things so much more interesting and fascinating for new folks. If you are one of those new listeners, then I am rolling out that welcome mat for you as well. Thank you for taking the time to check this show out. Maybe it's because of our guest. He's really popular in the podcasting space. And maybe it's because someone referred you to this episode. Either way, I'm so grateful to have you here as a new listener. I hope you stick around. We've got plenty of great conversations coming up this year. I'm excited. I'm entering the 10th year of the podcast. Pretty wild. About April was when I launched in 2014. So I've got to do something special as we close in on that major, major, major milestone. So thanks for all you do to support the show, to support the world of podcasting, for all the other podcasts that you listen to. I appreciate you for that as well. In case you missed last episode, we spoke to Amelia Ruby. We talked about her journey and how she has a profound love for podcasting, how she interviews musicians, and a little dive into the fun we've both had in New York City and how it was time for something different as I record this in the middle of uh, Minnesota. And as I take a look at the temperature gauge, we are at 11 degrees. Yikes. <laughs> it takes some getting used to as someone who grew up in New York City. I was somewhat acclimated to the cold and then that got changed when I lived in LA for four years. And now I'm back in the Midwest and uh, a different perspective on what it is to be in the single digits, but you do have an appreciation for it and an appreciation for the seasons as well. So enough about the weather. Let's get back to podcasting. So check out Amelia's episode, if you have not already, episode 333. We talked about managing relationships and creating impactful, intentional content with your show, which is something that I think would resonate with any of you that are podcasting or just getting started. This week, drum roll, please. We are back with the one and only Dave Jackson, podcasting legend, podcasting hall of famer. We talk a lot about uh, the evolution of podcasting, as you might imagine, for someone who's been in the space longer than I have. And he's really a respected name. He's the creator of the School of Podcasting, and he's got uh, a lot to say and in a way that is purely Dave Jackson. Dave was one of my very, very first guests when I launched the show in 2014. So it's been really nice to regroup and I always get to connect at podcasting conferences and give them a big old hug. And I realized that we were overdue for a conversation on the show. If you're curious about Dave's thoughts on the future of podcasting, the integration of AI and his insights on what we need to do to maintain the essence of storytelling, then this is the conversation for you. What I love about this conversation is that it's very casual. It's what I've always dreamed of when I started this show. It's just this idea of Two folks pulling up a couple of bar stools and just having a chat and you listening on our conversation. And I think that energy is going to come through whether you've been podcasting for a few weeks or 10 plus years as Dave has. You'll appreciate his openness, his humor, and his ability to tell great stories and some that he has not shared on this podcast before. So I can't wait to share those with you. As far as what's going on in my world, as of this recording, I probably won't be able to make it to PodFest, which is a conference that's near and dear to my heart. I'm always looking forward to engage with my fellow podcasters, but I do have podcast movement on my radar that's going to be in DC. And I am looking to submit a talk for that, given that it's the 10-year anniversary of my show. So fingers crossed that that's going to happen. That will be a pretty special moment to talk about my journey with this show, Podcast Junkies. I say it each and every week, if you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, I would love it if you leave a rating and a review 
at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Nothing would please me more than to read yours out next. And remember that these episodes are chock full of great takeaways. And as a listener, I want you to focus all your energy on our conversations. So rest assured, you can always visit podcastjunkies.com to read the full show notes for each episode, which includes all guest links as well. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Mr. Dave Jackson, a few words from the folks that support this show. With so many companies starting up in the podcasting space, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to figure out who you can trust and what the company is all about, which is why with my co-founder, Brad Nolan, we've created The Podosphere. Think of it as Yelp for podcasters. The Podosphere features all the companies making moves in the podcasting space. In this comprehensive directory, you'll be able to view the different companies by category, rate your favorites, and connect with them on their socials. As you learn more about your favorite companies, you'll also be able to create your own pod stack which is a feature that lets your fans know all the companies and services that you're currently using to produce your show. For the most comprehensive podcast directory in the galaxy, head on over to thepodosphere.com. If you've been on the fence about getting your podcast started, I have great news for you. My newly updated course, Podcast Blueprint 101, walks you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. And best of all, listeners of this show will get 50% off. In this course, I'll walk you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. In section one, mindset, we'll talk about getting started, the importance of the right mindset, and how to think about continuous improvement for your show. In section two, we lay the groundwork. We talk about planning your show, positioning it, and how to go about creating a quality production. In the growth section, we focus on where and when to publish your show, how to promote it to the right platforms, and as an added bonus, some specifics about how you can profit from your show as well. I've also included a list of tools and services that have been helpful for me in the growth of my show. So again, the URL is podcastblueprint101.com and use promo code PBHD50 to get 50% off exclusively for listeners of the show. Dave Jackson, back for round two. I can't believe it's only round two. I think you came on in 2015. I'm gonna have to look here, but you're definitely in a podcast junkies OG. It's been a while. <laughs> But I think your show was somewhat new when I yeah. came on. Yeah. 2014, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little while. Things have changed a little bit since then. Yeah. Maybe. The podcasting and pod- anything interesting happening in podcasting since 2015? <laughs> well, now we don't, you know, with AI, you know, have you seen the Mike Russell video? He said, no. thinking, oh, no, now I'm going to have to give thanks for Harry for the show notes. Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative has basically created an episode he's shown how he 11 labbed himself and he goes into a feedly and checks that this is a good article and it somehow sends it to i think it goes to chat gpt which summarizes it throws it into a google doc which sends it to 11 labs which sends it to soundcloud and so he doesn't do a thing he just checks a couple stories and a podcast comes out on the other side this is an AI voice? It's his voice, yeah. There's a website called Eleven Labs. Okay. And it's like scary, spooky good. Because <laughs> I uploaded maybe three one-minute clips of me and then used me at the beginning of one of my shows. And I was like, this is kind of scary when you do this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what else is scary? This isn't me. This is Robo Dave. And my audience is like, what? So that's new. I know that the script, because we use the script a lot, is building yeah. it in as well. And they don't even need, they used to need like a, a lot of coaching or do you record like a couple of minutes? But now I think they get the context from the conversation and then they can automatically just sub your stuff in your own voice. So the good news is we're going to get a lot, not that Mike's is crappy, not throwing shade on Mike here, but I'm like, we're going to get a lot of crappy articles and all this AI stuff because... For me, the part that pulls on your strings as a human is are the stories. Yeah. And as far as I know, AI has not had its heart broken yet. <laughs> so, or just the stuff you go through when you're growing up. Your parents do their best, and yet you still end up screwed up. And that's the way it is. So you do what you can. I think there's no shortage of people talking about AI. I- recently posted on something about how just annoyed I was, like use AI to fix whatever, and just went on a mini rant there on Facebook. But it's interesting to think about, the irony of that post is that I used AI to create the image for that post. Right. Well, I was and, laughing. I was at AppSumo yesterday just because I hadn't been there in a while. And I'm here to tell you every single thing, because it's a website that has all these SaaS programs, and everyone was like, with AI. And I was like, 
look, Frosted Flakes, now with AI. I'm like, it just everything is AI. And I was like, really? So you recently completed past episode 900, is that right? 900, yeah. That was, it's one of those things where when you just start, you start. And all of a sudden, if you haven't quit, you look up and then he <laughs> said, what are you going to do for episode 900? And I was like, because I've always thrown my format out the window. Probably the one that people know the most was episode 400. I, my show was taken over by some morning radio guys called Binky and the Wiz. Yes. And they locked me in a broom closet and this whole theater of the mind thing. Some of them have not been good. Episode 500 in particular is horrible. So for episode 900, I was trying to upset both Christians and non-Christians. And so I interviewed Jesus Christ from a marketing standpoint. <laughs> and it was Jesus talking about how it's a family business. And he kind of took over for his dad. And there was a rebrand. <laughs> and I was really surprised. I really thought somebody was going to get upset. And instead, I had a lot of people go, that was really creative and funny. And I was like, but you're not upset and you're not, how dare you? So that was fun. So in the meantime, it was also talking about podcasting. That's always the main thing I try to do. What, However creative I get, somebody's got to walk away with something that they can go try or learn or think or something like that. So yeah, episode 900 was, was interesting. So add that to your list of accomplishments inducted into podcasting hall of fame as well. So I'm curious, and maybe you'll have a better opportunity to do this when you hit 1000. Have you paused for maybe a few minutes, maybe even a day to kind of look back at your journey and thinking back, you know, where you started, we talked about it, I'm sure in the early episodes, but I'm now with those other years, I think, I don't even think you're working on Lipson back then. No, no, the early days I was still teaching in the corporate world. I was playing in a band. And when I started, I just gone through both a bankruptcy and a divorce. So 2004 was a banner year. And so 2005, I'm in a this weird basement room of my brother's house who said, you're going to come live with me. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go get an apartment. <laughs> He's like, you got a lot of legal bills coming. Come live with me. And so I'm in his basement and I had just seen so many things kind of come and go. Yeah. And I like MySpace, I totally missed the MySpace boat. And so this thing came along, like, hey, membership sites are going to be cool. And then a friend of mine was always going to these marketing conferences and said, hey, I've seen the next big thing. And I go, what is it? He goes, it's podcasting. And I Googled it. I Googled the phrase podcasting. There were one and a half pages. And I go, wait, how do you spell this? <laughs> it's like, all right. I'm like, I think we broke the internet. I go, there's nothing on it. So, yeah, so that's when I was like, well, if membership sites and podcasting are going to be the peanut butter and chocolate, let's see if we can put those together and come up with a Reese cup. And <laughs> it was the first three years especially were just brutal because nobody knew what it was. <laughs> I couldn't need an iPod for that. So, But it is, when I look back, it just things like there's a piece of equipment called the Zoom PodTrack P4 that I think is under 200 bucks. It's like 180 And Five years ago, that would have been a thousand dollars. I've got a uh, oh, I forget the name of the. It's some interface, and I paid eight hundred bucks for it. It just looks like a about the size of an eight-track tape, and it's got these super preamps and all this other stuff. And then, like three years later, like oh, here's this thing from Zoom. Now, granted, it's plastic, and I wouldn't want to drop it, but yeah. And the fact that we used to have all these mixers, and so you had to learn mix minus, and that was always a pain in the butt to explain to somebody who's never been in audio. Lots of diagrams with arrows and things like that. So it's been a lot easier. How do you think about the role or being a spokesperson that you're playing now in the industry? And naturally, that, I would imagine that comes naturally for you being a teacher or being an instructor. But have you thought about that as well, how people have followed your journey and also thinking about, I don't know if you've kept track of the people that you've impacted or helped along the way? I have old email lists that occasionally I'll go through the name. I'm like, oh, I remember that guy. Or I remember I had a guy come through because my first podcast wasn't about podcasting. It was for musicians. And this guy said, hey, you always say if you come through Akron, Ohio, you'll buy me a pizza. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and so we're at the pizza place. And he goes, do you remember how I used to sign off? And I go, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, <laughs> let alone what I said 19 years ago. And he goes, you used to say for those who have money, there is therapy. And for the rest of us there is music. And I go, mm -hmm. I said that. And he's like, yeah, he goes, that's not bad. He goes, I now teach music at a, 
university. And he goes, and I start off every semester with that. And I was like, well, look at that, Mike. That's cool. So yeah. it's weird things. You don't know how you're affecting people that you go through. And so that's always kind of tricky. And it's always fun when you meet someone who listens to all of your episodes because they kind of know you or at least feel like they do. And you have no idea who this person is. And I just went through this. I was in Houston, Texas, and I've known Adam Curry. We always kind of bump into each other over the years, but I've never met his wife. And I listened to his show, Curry and the Keeper. And it's cute and it's fun. It's just basically a little audio diary that they do. And all of a sudden, I'm standing next to this blonde woman and the voice of Tina Curry comes out of her head. And Adam walks over and goes, have you met Tina yet? And I was like, yeah. And I go, I got to say this because it doesn't happen much. I go, what? I go, the voice of Tina Curry is coming out of your head. I go, it's so cool. I haven't seen this in so long. So that's always kind of fun. And the other thing that's weird about when it dawns on you that people are listening to you, because we've all convinced ourselves, thanks to imposter syndrome, that nobody's going to listen to us. But I was working with a client once and I said, okay, so what's the idea we're working on? Great. Do you have any equipment? And he rattles off all this stuff. And he said, oh, I've got the Zoom Podtrack P4. That's the thing I just mentioned. And I bought a Rodecaster. And I go, wait, you bought both? I go, you kind of need one or the other. I go, why did you buy the Rodecaster? He goes, oh, you said it was cool. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it's like $600, though. And he's like, well, I don't know. I just thought, I'm like, okay. So that's when I've, especially when I talk about gear, I'm really careful to go, look, if you have this product or this product, you don't need to upgrade. Like, this is cool and all, but yeah, so that's when I kind of went, oh, wait a minute, this microphone's loaded. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what's the show count at? I know it varies over the years, but shows in production or maybe if the total amount is is even... It's funny you ask. I just updated a spreadsheet the other day because I knew somebody was going to ask. They ask me this occasionally. I know I've done like 31 different shows. I'm at 4,790 episodes over 39 shows, apparently. Now, some of those are the same where I've rebranded, but somewhere around 35. Yeah. So it's one of those things where the kind of joke is Dave enjoys this and that. And when he's not podcasting, Oh, who are we kidding? Dave is always podcasting. So, <laughs> and some of those were really great mistakes. Like I did one show called The Customer Service Show. I'm always the king of the really obvious name. And that was one of the things I did before I was a teacher. I was a customer service rep. And I thought, oh, this will be great. And you have delusions of grandeur. I'm going to launch this podcast. I'm going to be seen as like this expert customer service guy. And people are going to hire me. And I did about six episodes, and I just sounded like a grumpy old guy. I'm like, ah, I went into McDonald's today. They didn't even say hello. Man, man. It's just like, and I, all of a sudden it was like, who's going to listen to this? And B, it's what I do. It's not who I am. While I have that experience, it just, I try to show what's called new to cooking because I am new to cooking. And I think that made it 18 episodes before I went, you know what? Restaurants are good. I'm fine with that. So you kind of learn from every single one. It's kind of one of my bumper stickers. You'll either end up with a great podcast or a great story about the time you started a podcast. So it is, I'm better now because there are times I'll be like, oh, we should start a podcast about this. And I'm like, hey, let's not. I've got, I think, five or six going now. They're all about podcasting in one form or another with a co-host or not, or short or long and tall and fat and all sorts of different versions of more or less the same thing. And I now go, yeah, let's not start another podcast. I think once you have that first one or two solidly under your belt, you start to realize, I like to refer to it as your virtual stage and this ability to have not only to speak from and teach from, but also just to have people on that you want to have conversations with. And I just, that wasn't, couldn't be more clear for me than what I did with my second show, Vertical Farming Podcast, which is just blown up. I've been flown to Dubai and to Germany this year for indoor farming conferences on their dime. It's generated over 80K in sponsorship dollars and I interview CEOs and founders of these companies. And I went three years ago, I, zero, literally zero visibility in this industry. And so just that focused effort on using these skills that I had long form interviews, know how to produce a podcast and putting them together and really just how powerful that can be. Yeah. I mean, that story, the vertical farming podcast is a great story. It's made it into a few of my presentations. I'm like, well, you can start off with a sponsor. It's not normal, but Harry did it. And you bring up a great point. I just talked to someone 
who had podcasted for five years. And she wrote this great blog post kind of saying how after five years, I didn't really have anything to show for it. And it's easy to fall into that mindset because we come up with expectations and I never made it on Jimmy Fallon, all these other things. And she said, but on the other hand, I sat back and looked. I'm like, wait a minute. I know how to build a website. I'm pretty good at copywriting. I'm great at graphics and forming a somewhat thought out sentence and this and that. So it was a really neat kind of blog post because she was like, you know, it felt like a failure. But in the end, I'd gained all these extra skills that I just kind of overlooked, but it was now part of who I am. Do you have time to think about your impact? If you just separate yourself from the fact that you're podcasting and you have all these shows and think about what podcasting has done, or maybe just impact on you. Like, what has it done for you overall? You know, just kind of like 30,000 foot view. Cause sometimes when I'm in it, it's hard to realize, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. I wouldn't have a business. Like I really start thinking about all things I would not have had I not started, you know, that first show in 2014. Yeah. It's really weird. Somebody said, what would you be doing if you weren't podcasting? And I go, I honestly don't know. Probably still doing stuff with music, but the thing that solidified it when I was, again, back in my brother's basement, I've done a podcast for two weeks. I got a voicemail from Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. It's me and the cows, and some guy in Germany found my show, and that's when I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't know what it is yet, but this is really, really cool. So I just wondered, like, if that hadn't happened and I'd kind of followed the path of many podcasters, you put it out, nobody's listening, and you're like, eh. But I, it scratches every itch I have. It, back then, especially, you kind of had to be a little bit of a nerd. It's super creative. Like, there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. And then the fact that I get to help people, it just scratched every itch I have. And John Buchanan, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And John one day looked at me. He goes, you know what's so funny? And I go, what? And he goes, you don't know you're Dave Jackson. I go, I have no idea what that means. He goes, dude, he goes, you're like, you've been doing this forever because everybody knows you. I go, no, trust me. No. But it's one of those things that I have people on occasion that try to like, I'm like, I don't know. It's just me in a spare bedroom talking to a microphone. Then I see the numbers and I'm like, wow, people are listening to this, but I'm just having fun. And I enjoy helping people. I just had somebody contact me today and they're like, wait, so if I do this and this, how much is it? And they're like, it's not more. And I'm like, no. And they're like, okay. And I mean, I just like to help people. I know I should charge more, but I'm like, I just like to help people. Yeah. So that is something that's always kind of interesting. And you mentioned like getting flown to Dubai. When you started that podcast, you're like, I bet in three years I'm going to be end up, I'm going to end up in Germany. (laughs) So you just kind of go where it flows. And it is, I think for me, it helped make an audio resume and building the relationships. Like, I don't think I'd be at Libsyn if I didn't have a podcast, but because of the podcast, I got invited to go to a podcast event in Pittsburgh. And that's where I got to meet the people from Libsyn. And at the time I was still teaching and I just Mm -hmm. said, are you guys ever hiring anybody? And I had no thoughts of ever leaving, but fast forward a year and a half later and my teaching job dries up and I was like, Oh, I know some people wouldn't mind working for. So that kind of stuff. I got hired at a college once because they asked me in the job interview, they're like, what do you do for fun? And I go, I play the guitar and I do podcasts. And they're like, oh, you do podcasting? So it's kind of weird. You don't know how it affects people or where you'd be without it. It also got us to Australia. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. And again, that to me is still one of the best just, I don't know what, it's, it's an event, but it was just the funnest week ever going to the, I went to the zoo and got to hold a koala and got to know Jordan and you, Nat and uh, everybody. That, uh, Pat Flynn is hilarious. Who Tra- Travis Chappell was there oh, yeah, as well. Travis is there, but Pat Flynn is hilarious. I told him, I said, dude, I know you're kind of a family friendly kind of podcast guy. I go, but you got to let your humor out because that guy is hilarious. <laughs> It was an interesting sneak peek and just like the the behind the scenes. It's sort of like almost why I started the show because I remember the show called Inside the Actor Studio and you'd finally get to see the actor like, you know, just relax for a bit. And shout out to Ronzi for creating that, yeah. that experience. We had a, it was just really intimate conference itself. I think maybe about a hundred people or 150 people attending. And then he had two days with us just to kind of get together and get to know each other as speakers, which was, it's rare that you see organizers take that much time to do something like that. And I remember going to the fridge, I think it was grabbing a beer or soda or something like that. And I just had to like 
think about like, wait, who's in this living room right now? It's like people that when I got started podcasting, I was like admiring and looking up to, you know, Pat Jordan, you mentioned yourself and Travis was just beginning to blow up as well. And Omar Zanoff was there. Yeah. 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 And so it was amazing to think about had it not been for the show, like to create those opportunities. And I think that's what a lot of people, they can't see that far ahead. And they think about the moment where just like, why am I going to do this? And it's frustrating. And I don't know why I got to be showing up week in and week out. Yeah. And and you just never know. And so I try not to say no, if especially Mm. with something new. It was something I remember I was at a kitchen table once and I was all of like 23. So I'm feeling very grown up. And I looked at my mom and I go, like, what was your philosophy of growing up? I said, because I remember she'd let me ride in the trunk. She would. I remember when I was wee little, I would ride under the cart. And I'm like, why? And she just said, well, if it wasn't going to kill you, I figured, what's the harm? Yeah. And so I've always kind of taken that. And I've noticed that the way podcasting leads to relationships with your audience, the audience mm-hmm. then leads to opportunities, which lead to more relationships, which lead to more opportunities. And it just kind of snowballs along. And so it's interesting when I go to these different events, it's like a going to summer camp. When I see you and all these people, it's big hugs all around and you just kind of pick up right where you left off. Do you think about the impact you've had personally on people? A lot of times when you get into these shows and get to see some of these conversations, and I imagine with the thousands of episodes you recorded, that some of the stuff probably gets personal or some gets into topics that maybe as a host, you weren't thinking was going to happen when you turned on, when you hit record. But sometimes those moments happen and it's an interesting skill because that's one more skill to learn, right? Because you can interview someone and and ask the right questions and get through an interview, but to hold space for someone when they realize they've been given like a, a safe opportunity to share something vulnerable with you and they do that and you have to, you know, have some finesse in how you handle those. Yeah. I think I'm a better communicator. I hope so got out so thousands of episodes later and i think everybody that does a podcast eventually becomes more skilled at improv like if somebody throws something at you i remember this is a phrase that not many people get to say when i was going to my ex-wife's wedding so she was getting remarried and something had happened where the person that had married her and a new husband was not coming to the reception and so Everybody's like, where's father so-and-so or whatever it was? And they're like, oh, he's not coming. And so she just looks at me and she goes, hey, Jackson, you are almost a pastor. Get up there and do a prayer, would you? And I was oh like, God. all right, I guess I'll just do some freestyle. <laughs> wait, wait, you know, like, here we go. And I pulled it off. It was no big deal. And so I've, I've run into that a lot. Or last week I do a live show with Jim Cullison where we just kind of take questions from a chat room. And he let me know before we even started. He's like, hey, I have to leave like 20 minutes early. And I'm like, fine, that's no big deal. I said, I'll just do the last 20 minutes, me in the chat room. And that was one that all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is awkward talking to no one. And then the thing I've noticed about, if you listen to guys on the radio, they're really into the dramatic pause as they figure out what the heck they're saying. And I was horrible at this. I sounded like that old commercial or the guy that just keeps talking and he never shuts up and he just hears another word and keeps going and it's like <laughs> micronauts. I, yeah. like <laughs> I was so weird. So you get yourself into these positions that give you new skills. And I definitely, when I was growing up, I was pitifully shy. I got fired from my first job when I was eight, 16, because I wouldn't talk to customers. I was just, I mean, introvert was an understatement where now I still tell myself I'm an introvert, but I had a a teacher of mine that basically said, fake it till you make it. He was like, act the way you want to be, and someday you will be the way you act. So I sure smell and act like I'm outgoing. I still tell myself I'm introverted, and it, it comes out occasionally, but that is something I think, again, just from being in these different positions where you're like, oh, here, you're going to be in a house with a bunch of people in Australia, so... Have fun. Don't hide in the corner. It comes out occasionally. I remember when I was married, I went to the dreaded Christmas party. There's nothing worse than going to the the partner's Christmas party. And there, she was a nurse, so they're all talking health ease and doctor ease, and I have no idea. Yeah. And so she just looked at me. She goes, oh, no, 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 don't do it. And I go, what? don't be shy, Dave. Don't be shy, Dave. I don't like shy, Dave. So, And then finally somebody walked up and said, hey, are you the podcast guy? And she just rolled her eyes and goes, I'll see you in 20 minutes. <laughs> 
Yeah. Is that something do you think just comes from the reps or is that something that people can be taught? Because that's being introverted and being scared to like talk on stage, talk in public. That's a legit fear up there yeah. with like spiders and roaches and like heights and like tight spaces. Like speaking in public is paralyzing for some people. I remember even in Australia, I, I gave a talk and by the end, I felt like my mouth was stuffed with cotton. I was just like, why is my mouth so dry? And because it's not something if you don't do regularly, it's not natural. Yeah. It's funny because I mean, I've been teaching for 20 years and now podcasting for 18. And if I go on stage five minutes beforehand, my hands turned whiter than they normally are and they sweat. And I'm like, oh, it must be. And I look at my watch. Yep. Five minutes to stage time. Here we yeah. go. So I think we get better at it. It's just a matter. I just think it's a long process till you really feel natural. And, and I think for me, one of the things when I grew up, I had an older brother and sister, but they had friends and they would scatter and it was just me. And so there are times when I had to really just, I was going to say play with myself, but that doesn't sound <laughs> right. But I had to entertain myself, shall we say. And I still think that has something to do because to me, I'm like, well, just do a solo show. And I have my one co-host is like, I can't do solo. He's mm -hmm. like, I need a co-host. And I'm like, really just talk to your invisible friend across the desk. And he's like, I'm not comfortable doing. And to me, I'm like, no, just it's that person right there. Just go ahead and talk. So I don't know if that's me. I kind of think, cause I run into people like, I don't know how you do solo shows. And I'm like, you just do it. And so maybe that was just something I kind of threw entertaining myself growing up. And I still consider myself somewhat weird. I remember when I was growing up, this is back when there was one phone on the wall with a really long cable that was all stuck to each other. And I'd be like talking to my cousin. I'm all of like seven, seven or eight. We had these Coke glasses that you would get from McDonald's and we had a whole set, right? Oh yeah. I would start filling these up with water and tuning them. As I'm talking on the phone, ding, 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 ding. And I remember the one time my mom just looked at me, can you not just talk on the phone? Because I was always banging on stuff. And so I think that's part of it too, is I'm just always a little, I mean, now they would definitely diagnose me as ADD or something of that nature. And where back then it was just, oh, he's creative or hyper. So when did the musical journey start for you? I was five and... I had one of those plastic guitars and I was left-handed. And so I was trying to play. I have a tape of me somewhere banging away on this thing. But around six, I had, it had come to my attention that everything I wanted to do left-handed was now a pain in the butt, right? There were no scissors. I couldn't get a baseball mitt. And I just, I remember I was in first grade. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, I'm just going to be done right with lefty. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm done with lefty. See ya. It was nice. And so my brother had tried at one point he strung a guitar upside down because every time you opened up a right-handed book, like it was backwards. And so it was like trying to learn how to play the guitar in a mirror. And I was just like, yeah, I'm done with that too. And I'm just going to play right-handed, which is really cool. Cause when you're a guitar player, the hand that's really doing a lot of the work is your left one. And so I sat around probably when I was around, so when I was five, my fingers were too small. That was the other problem. And so he was seven years older than I am. So when he was got a job, so he would have been 16, I would have been nine. That's about right. And he'd be like, I'm going to work. Don't touch my guitar. So, I mean, sorry. <laughs> and so I started playing and found that old right-handed book. And I'm playing, you know, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. And she'll be coming around the mountain and all this mm -hmm. other. He's over there playing ACDC. <laughs> and so the one day he was like, all right, if you're going to play the guitar, I'm like, what are you doing? And there are these things called bar chords where you can play chords up and down the neck. And he showed me those and it was like a giant light switch. Just all of a sudden went pew, and it kind of, he was kind of pissed for a little bit because he watched me zoom by him. He's like, <laughs> I don't like, and what was interesting about it is I had a paper out at the time and I bought this guitar that looked like the guy from ACDC. And then later I actually bought the guitar like the exact guitar he had. And that got me over the mental hump because I was like, okay, I want to play ACDC. Those notes are somewhere on this neck. I just got to find them. And so I got really good. I just did it last night. It's something I would just, I'll hit Spotify and hit a random playlist and just play along. I know how to read music, but I also know how to run a mile and neither one I do very well. <laughs> so, but I can play by ear really well. And so, just one of those things, I don't know why, it just 
again, it scratched every itch I had. So I would deliver my papers. I would come home. I would play the guitar. My mom would kick the bedroom wall and like, mm-hmm. hey, it's time for dinner. I would come out. I would eat. I would go back downstairs and play for five to six hours along with the radio or whatever. Again, back then, music was not this running endless stream of water. So it's like, oh, my brother bought an album from something called Fleetwood Mac. Let's see what this is. And you'd start playing along. So yeah. And then over the years, I was in a bunch of really bad metal bands because I was really into Ozzy and Iron Maiden. And that led to a country band, which I still swear was like one of the signs of Armageddon. <laughs> like there are a bunch of guys I worked with like, hey, you want to join our country band? Oh, my God. And I grew up, my dad on Saturdays would come in at six in the morning hit the window shade. So go flapping up and on the roll and open up the curtains. My brother and I are like vampires, like, ah, the sunlight. He's like, ah, the sun's up. Why aren't you? And he'd go down the hall and turn on WSLR. And it was Jaybird and my truck is that whole nine yards. So when I heard country, I'm like, I'm not playing in a country band. And then they played it for me. I go, this is not country. This is boogie with a twang. It's rock with a fiddle. And so I was in a country band for a while. It was really successful. We played all over the place. And then I thought, well, before I hang it up, I want to play in a blues band because I was a really big Steve Ray Vaughan fan. And so I did that for like eight or nine years. Technically, we never broke up. Just the keyboard player had twins. The singer had a really bad online poker addiction. (laughs) And we just kind of quit playing and nobody cared. But yeah, so I've been playing. and, And now it's weird. Have you had this yet, Harry, where you realize you're the adult in the picture? Like when somebody kid knocks on your door and goes, hey, mister, can I mow your lawn? (laughs) Well, now a couple years ago, I try to get back in a band and I'm calling on these things and it's like guitar player needed for blues rock band. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. And they're like looking for somebody like ages 25 to 30. And I'm like, 50. (laughs) And I remember when grandpa used to call on my ad and be like, why is that old dude calling on my ad? And I was like, oh, wow, I'm the old dude now. So that's always fun. So maybe you can start a new band and just for and age appropriate, call it age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have it set up. The band name was Electric Groove Crusade. I got a playlist. I just couldn't find anybody to come do it with me. And bands are tough. It's like a four-way marriage. You've got yeah. a lot of ego going in there. And, and then you've got the families of the people that are in the band. So they've got to kind of make it's. When you get in a good band, that's why you kind of don't want to mess it up because it's a magical thing when it happens, but it's a ton of work. Speaking of the younger kids in bands, I found I stumbled onto one of those scrolling trips on Instagram and I found this kid. His name is Harrison underscore piano. He's like 16 years old, an incredible, incredible, one of those like Bach or Beethoven, like transported from another dimension, like clearly reborn, was a maestro in a previous life. But there's videos of him, like I think at six and he's just like, crushing it killing it like on the piano and just moving his fingers so fast he's playing like billy joel he's playing like crazy songs and then i keep scrolling and i see him playing the drums and i was like wait you play the drums too and he's yeah. like incredibly sick and now it just led me to this group called echo it's a bunch of like 16 and 20 year olds in liverpool of all things interestingly enough and i marked it i was like that's going to be the next super great band because just the energy was so exciting and you can just picture it's almost like that ramones vibe i'm sure the people when first see a band like that they're just like whoa what are those guys doing what is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i used to cheat most people don't know this you may have known about 78 records they were made out of a really brittle like you could smack them if you watch it's a wonderful life when she breaks that was a 70 but somewhere i've never seen one there was a an lp that went at 16 revolutions per minute so it was 16 33 and a third 45 and 78 Mm. i had an old turntable with a 16 speed so i could put van halen on and listen to eruption and it was exactly an octave lower And so it'd be like, (laughs) and so I would tune my guitar an octave lower. The strings are falling off the neck and I would learn it. It's also twice as slow. So you could learn it then. And then it was just a matter of, okay, let's tune everything back up. Now that I know what the notes are, I just have to play them really, really fast. Where (laughs) today, these kids are today. You just go to YouTube and go, show me how to play eruption. They're like, here, you're like, oh, that's no fun. You can do 0.5x now on Spotify, I guess. Right? <laughs> Same thing, right? Yeah. And so you can think about the impact of just learning that. And what's interesting, what I remember you said you pick up the guitar and you said the notes are there. I just have to discover them. Just gotta find and imme- yeah, just immediately think of like 
Michelangelo when he sees the block of granite and he's like, David's in there. I just got to get him out of there, right? And so fascinating, that same perspective. Yeah, it was just something where, and the other thing, I guess, to think about it, there wasn't as much stuff to distract me. There was no Netflix. There was radio, which back then was great. I mean, in Cleveland, we had WMS, which broke Bruce Springsteen and Rush and Denny Sanders and Kid Leo and all that big FM stuff. But there wasn't as much stuff to do. And so I was like, I just love to play the guitar. And it was just one of those things where I remember there these things called fake harmonics. I called them squeaks. If you listen to ZZ Top, you'll hear a lot of squeaking or Black Label Society. And I remember when I figured out by accident how to make a squeak. And it's basically just this weird, almost playing with the side of your thumb. And then like I couldn't make it happen. Like it happened by accident. I just remember for an hour just hitting the same (laughs) note. And when I finally figured out what was going on, now I can squeak all day long. But it's those kind of It's almost like a video game, right? You get past level two and you're like, oh, now, but I got to go through the door and kill the dragon before the water. And so you'd find something else. And then I'm fairly logical. So I'm really into math. And so it just dawned on me that once I learned one little pattern, if I just learned it an octave lower and an octave lower, now I just had a roadmap of like, if I'm in the key of E, these frets work. And it was just a matter of like, now, okay, it's like, the sidewalk, don't step on a crack. Okay, I know where I can walk and where not to walk, and I can do whatever I want as long as I don't go outside of these little patterns. So people are like, well, what mode are you playing in? I go, I have no idea. I just know it's a minor song, so I can add this to the sidewalk, and this sounds cool, and this and that. And that's where, for me, just music is fun because you start off with Jimmy Crack Corn, then you graduate to Chuck Berry, and Chuck Berry leads to Ace Freely which leads to Angus Young, which leads to Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes, and eventually you migrate to Ingve Malmsteen. And that's when I got into the country band. It was like learning French. It's the same language, right? It's the same yeah. alphabet. It's just completely different. And there are some amazing guitar players in country. So that was a yeah. lot of fun. And that's what I loved about it. Because like, oh, you guys are doing the Jimmy Page thing, but you're stretching the G string up to here and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so I was like, oh, this is another way of expressing yourself. And I still have like almost zero jazz chops. If somebody said, what would you do if you had more time? I'm like, I'd go learn some jazz because that's yeah. it always sounds cool. What's left on your creative endeavors bucket list? It's funny. I just said this yesterday. One of the things I added to my bucket list, and it's, are you watching Welcome to Wrexham? It's the, who's the really sarcastic superhero? Oh, right yeah. Now. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds and the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is funny because okay. everybody refers to him as the other guy. But they bought this really crappy football team, and they're okay. trying to – I want to somehow attend a football for our American friends, soccer. I want to attend a soccer game, not to get the snot beat out of me by hooligans, but, I mean, these people sing in the stands. Like, all, yeah. you have – 30,000 people all singing along, Rexham, Rexham, and everybody knows it. Like it's six-year-old kids or they all know the song. And I was like, that looks like it's the community aspect of it. There was like, someday I want to go to a football game in the UK and watch everybody sing along. And they absolutely go bonkers. I mean, we have football and the Super Bowl. I mean, these people, when they score a goal, it looks like they cheer for hours because the <laughs> it happens so infrequently yeah, they're just like hey. and I'm like okay and if you think they'd be like okay let's go back to the game they're like no no we're gonna celebrate yeah. more but creativity the other thing i need to get into we started off talking about ai reminds me of email i remember because back in the day i was teaching people how to surf the internet which was fun because at the end you're like you do this big disclaimer and i said okay go ahead and surf the internet And we're in Ohio, so this guy's looking for a television set. And he typed in Canton TVs and got a website for transvestites. And (laughs) and I'm going, okay, remember the back button? If you could click, click the back button. So, But I remember teaching email. And you're like, okay, and click send to the buddy next to you. And this guy's going like, dude, it's already there. Like, I just hit, it's already there. Like, how did it do that? And so I showed chat GPT to my brother. And he's like, what is this voodoo? that you are playing with. And it's just something that I know there's something there. I think for me, I see it more as an assistant, not so much like something that's going to run away. And like, I always wanted, I want to brainstorm with AI. I don't so much want it to do my own job because, you know, I like to work. And so, but I also, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, Ooh, I don't know if I like this because this could displace people, but I'm 
the geek in me goes, yeah, don't run away. This could be the next email. And I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, Dave's old, so he doesn't understand the technology. So I want to somehow keep up with it and just have that in my back pocket. Like, oh, well, like right now I did something where I found this cool article and I wanted to use it in my podcast, but I was like, am I allowed to, is that plagiarism? I'm like, hold on here. Chat GPT, summarize this for me and rewrite it. And I was like, oh, there we go. It's still accurate. Yeah. It's not this person's word. Perfect. So I think that's the other thing I need to kind of, again, not let it pass me by. I think it's one of those things that think about Luddites and people who just are versed to technology. If that is the word, I always get the word confused for some reason. But I think as you get older, you realize you can't keep up with everything. And there will be a point where you're just like, okay, it's like enough. I can't maintain this pace. But I think for our generation, I turned 53 a couple of weeks ago, and I grew up, thankfully, in like early 80s with the tech. And, and you know, some people were late bloomers. And to see it from that those early days, it almost feels like it's always going to be a part of me. It doesn't feel like probably like one generation ahead of me. They're just like, they weren't introduced into it in their formative years. So it's really not something they built a relationship with, but I have this love of tech for better, or for worse, and for all the good things that it's done. And then I think when you look at something like AI and you think of the ability to help, if it gets us to a point where we can relax and enjoy life more because we're having the robots do the stuff that's just repetitive, that there's right. no added value to summarize an article. Great. You can do that. I know that's a skill set people learn, but I think maybe you can go learn the guitar <laughs> instead. You know? And so maybe what we'll see is influx of just more creative creations that where people are literally taking the time to like carve and woodwork and make music and draw and paint in a way that's like using more analog tools. And hopefully I think that's one of the benefits of this is what I see as well. Yeah. I have one of my clients is in her seventies. And when I grew up, I want to be Zeta Christian because she's not afraid of anything. She's like, oh, it'll take me a little longer, but I'll get it. And I remember once when I lived in an apartment, my license plate is podcast. So I'm walking along and this older gentleman comes up and goes, Hey, are you the podcast guy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm the podcast guy. And he goes, do you know anything about WordPress? And I go, oh, I, I work in WordPress every day. And he's like, could you help me launch a site? And I go, yeah, he's like 84 years old. Oh my he's God. like, I want to build a store and sell this stuff. And I was like, I want to be that guy when I'm 84. <laughs> like, you know what? Don't know what it is, but I'll find somebody to teach me. So that's the plan at least. Where do you think we're headed with all the information that's coming out? The state of the world today, we're in October 2023. There's some crazy stuff happening over the globe. And then it's really putting people on edge and people are turning to podcasts now to like get some information and figure out at least listening to long form conversations. I am a fan actually of Joe Rogan and long form conversations. There's something powerful about having a three hour conversation with someone and just hearing alternative voices, especially when you start to see these traditional channels and all you hear is like a five minute snippet. So do you ever think about podcast ability, maybe not your role, but just podcast ability to start opening up these other channels for discourse and for communication? Because it feels like we're going to need more of that. Yeah. When I first started, I said, well, I think podcasting is going to change the world. And marketers are going to see it as a great way to sell. Teachers see it as a great way to learn. So I was like, we could really learn about cultures that I'm nowhere near and this and that. And so, yeah, I do get worried because I know right now net neutrality is sneaking back on the stage. Mm. And if you, based on the stuff I've heard on a podcast, it just sounds like the government is sneakily trying to regulate the internet. And I'm like, that's not good. And yeah. so maybe I'm weird. I think deep down people are good like I, by default, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So I'm a big fan of like people like Joe Rogan. Let me present both sides and then you decide. And if you're in the majority, you are. If you're not, but at least now. And so I get worried when I hear people, you're not allowed to say this. You're not allowed to say that. And I had a thing. There was kind of a brouhaha podcast movement. And I came out and I said, hey, I grew up in a white neighborhood, not because I planned it that way, but because I was born here. And so I'm culturally probably not as knowledgeable as I should be. So can somebody explain this to me? And I listed some things because somebody was upset because somebody was at podcast movement. And I said, well, hey, there's a guy in my high school that if I never see again, I'm not going to be unhappy. I said, but he's still allowed to come to the you know class reunion. And what was interesting was I wake up the next day and people are like, I can't believe you jumped into that mess. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I want to understand what's going on. Again, yeah. the teacher in me. 
And so I wake up and sure enough on Twitter, this guy's an idiot, doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, did you read the first paragraph? I said, I don't know what I'm talking about. And what was interesting is like you could almost hear them going, wait, that's I'm in the playbook here. It's on. Where does it say he's supposed to agree with us? You're supposed to call me a name. And then I'm going to say this and you get can't. I was like, no, I was like, no, I just and I because I would reply. I'm like, you're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I posted this. Would you like to get on a Zoom call? And that made people go, wait, what? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I would like to have this thing called a dialogue. And I'm like, I'm not here to judge. I just want to hear your point of view. And so I had four people take me up on that. Like, yeah, I'll help you understand. This is what this is. And this is why we feel this way. Because somebody said, it was kind of a trans thing. And they're like, we don't feel safe going to places. I go, well, do you feel safe going to Walmart? And I'm expecting them to say yes. And they said, no, no, we don't. And I go, really? And I go, wow. I go, that would be a crappy way to live. And so yeah. it gave me a whole bunch of different insights that I was like, okay. So I hope podcasting doesn't get any kind of squelch. You're not going to like every podcast. And if you don't, it's swipe left and hit delete. You never need to hear that again. So yeah, I'm with you. I think long form interviews are great. I always say a podcast is a conversation with mm -hmm. the boring parts removed. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I say bring back the dialogue and let's do a little less of the national pastime is recreational outrage. That seems to be the thing. <laughs> so well, it's clear that the path you've followed is has been working for you, and you haven't been canceled, so that's good news. <laughs> well, I forget who I was listening to, and here's a fun name, Jordan Peterson. He said, if you don't stop, they haven't canceled you. And I was like, well, that's a good point, because everybody's always, like, they run to the corner and hide. And But if like you just go, yeah, okay, well, you don't like me, and you took all my sponsors and whatever, but I'm still, you know, I... I'm assuming Alex Jones is still somewhere talking about, they're turning the forums gray, you know, somewhere. So he's still doing his thing. I'm wondering if you think about all the conversations people are having on these topics and how they're able to just have this open forum. I think inevitably it feels like it's good because when you hear someone talk over a long period of time, there's quotes that if you didn't know who they were attributed to, you'd be like, well, that's a very inspirational thing. And then you're like, oh, Hitler said that. You're like, <laughs> like whoa, yeah, because yeah. everyone's just like said something. And I think throwing baby up with the bathwater, but just listen for the messages that are inside that resonate with you. It's like what they say from spirituality perspective, take what resonates and discard the rest, right? Like it could be 0.01% that you resonate with and the other 99% literally just rubs you the wrong way. And it's just like, makes your skin crawl, but just there's some silver lining and some gold. And I think we all had just a bit more patience and we're all able to just see each other as those little kids in the play you know, playground when they're like five years old. Like there's no one seeing any skin color. No one's seeing, hearing any different like accent. They're just like pure love. And they're just like radiating that and just know it's idyllic, but I hope we get to that point And by having more discourse, not less. Yeah. I have a friend of mine. I grew up in a church lifestyle or whatever you want to call it. And he's a flaming atheist. And if we only looked at what we disagreed on, we'd miss out. He's a great musician. He's hilarious. He's funny, sarcastic. And I love hanging out with him. And he knows that I know that he knows that I know. And like, there's yeah. just a topic we're not going to get into. But I also know if I ever have a question, I can go to him and like, hey, this science thing you're talking about, what's the thing here? And so, I mean, one of the things I love about you, Harry, is you definitely have you've delved into more spiritual things like Buddhist and this and all the, and I'm like, so that's why I love hanging out with you. Cause you'll throw in something that I'm like, I never have thought of that or that's a thing or whatever. And so I love to learn. And so anytime I can hang around somebody that's not the same version of Dave Jackson that grew up here and knows this and that, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. It's the teacher in me. I want to learn stuff. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to be a forever student and you're always going to find new things that you want to learn and new things you have this unique skill set where you're not only learning, but you're also helping because of the nature of who you are, like other people learning as well. So I think it's incredible what you've been doing for the, just the podcasting space itself. I can't imagine how many lives you've changed from people that have just learned from you. So I just want to publicly like congratulate you and thank you for all the work you're doing for the podcasting community. Thanks, man. Yeah. Like I said, I have these old email lists and when I look, I'm like, wait, there's 2000, there's another list of how many people have I helped? Am I, I lost track. So it's something I love to do. Otherwise, 18 years, I'm really kind of feeling like I'm just getting warmed up. If there's anyone who 
is listening, I can't believe anyone fall into this category, listening to this conversation, but they have still yet to not start their show. They've been sitting on the fence for a while and they've been putting it off maybe for years, sometimes for decades. And I think, I, like I said it earlier on, I just, podcasting has changed my life and I can understand the power of it to change, you know, someone else's life. So what advice would you give? You get so many people coming to the lips encounter as well, just getting started. I don't know what I should do. And like, do you see any consistent threads or what, what guidance do you have for just getting them over that hump? Yeah. The thing I see is they're really excited. They know they want to start a podcast. They just don't know on what. So that's always kind of tricky. Or the thing I battle the most is it's not getting people over the tech because the tech, I always tell people, have you ever been in the car and like your jam came on? And then the phone rang because you crank it up. They're like, oh, wow, the, I don't know, the Pointer Sisters. Yay. So you crank it up and then the phone rings. So then you turn the phone or the, you turn the radio down so you can hear your phone. And I go, okay, you know how to mix audio. <laughs> Have you ever uploaded a Word doc to an email? And they're like, yeah. Like, well, then you can upload an MP3 file to your media host. Have you ever, you know, so there's all these things, not that there's no like learning curve, but there's, you're probably closer than you think. So what I have to battle all the time, it's the mental part. I had a, a client, really nice guy. He's a pilot. He's flown in a couple different of like Iraq and all those different places. He's the guy that flies the plane that you then come and dock into so you can refuel. So he's an author and a keynote speaker. And I'm like, okay, you have courage and content. Why are you not podcasting? And so finally, the one day I just got on Zoom with him, I go, like, really, what's the deal here? I'm like, because he would talk. And I'm like, dude, that was episode one. Why weren't you recording that? And he said, I think it's my military background. He goes, I'm afraid to look stupid. And I said, all right, not radio. I said, go ahead and record episode one. I said, do you trust me? He goes, oh, absolutely. I said, okay, if you sound stupid, I'll let you know. Here's where it needs a little polish. So he sent me episode one. I go, man, this is a great story. I go, but it's pretty obvious you're reading this. I said, can you kind of go back, add a little voice inflection, sends it back. I'm like, man, this is so much better. And I said, if you wanted to, you could put this out. He goes, hold on. 20 minutes later, here's version three. I go, I can't even tell you're reading this now. He goes, it's because I'm not. I know the story. And I'm like, maybe that's your process. And now he's having a blast. And so, but so that I battle that a lot. People like, why is anybody going to listen to me? Which is fun. So I talk them through that. And so I'll walk people through. They'll finally launch. And they go from nobody's going to listen to me. Then they get freaked out because, oh, man, people are listening to me. And I go, yeah, I told you they would. And they're like, and now they get that whole thing of, wow, the microphone is loaded. I got to watch what I say. Maybe I shouldn't be telling stories about my spouse on the podcast. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Don't do that. So that's what I probably fight through the most. And so we're talking about the guitar. When I first learned to play the C chord, I didn't run out in the street and play the C chord and go, hey, everybody pay me money. I know C. You know, you start, you play in the basement a long time. And I always say authors have rough drafts. Athletes have preseason. Actors have dress rehearsals. Maybe those first couple episodes, unless you're Harry, of course, who's, well, go, think about that. The vertical farming, you had, what, nine years of practice before you launched that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So if this is not you after nine years of practice, not that you have to have nine years of practice, but do a little practice get somebody who's not named mom to listen to your show. So they'll say, this was really good, but that part there was kind of boring because you don't want to put out stuff that's boring and then just go out there and realize that no matter what you do, by the time you get to episode 10, you're going to cringe when you listen to episode one. It's just the way it is, but it's the mental thing that I think that stops most people. Well, Timeless wisdom. I'm so appreciative of us having this ability to catch up. I always know that just as much as we like to like connect and say, we're going to catch up and have a chat at a podcast conference, it never happens because there's so much going on. Class reunion vibes, you start to see everyone else. Yeah. And I think the days go by so quick and then we're just exhausted. So this was long overdue. I'm so happy we just got a chance to connect. And that's one of the beauties of this. My show is just, I just love to connect with my friends and then occasionally bring some new people on and just share what's happening and just remind people of how amazing this journey has been so far. So I appreciate you coming on my friend and sharing some fun stories and getting people excited about the possibilities and the potentials. And also just this idea of always scratching your own itch and never being too shy to just try something new. And you're certainly the poster child for that. Well, thank you, Harry, man. It's always great to hang out with you and just a bunch of people, man. As soon as I see you guys, I'm like, all right, now we're going to have some fun. <laughs> we're going to go jump over some shopping, shopping carts. Cart. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
Okay. And anywhere you want to send people specifically to connect with you? Yeah, go to schoolofpodcasting.com is where you can find. That's like my main hub. And then the other one, if you want to see all things Dave, go to powerofpodcasting.com. Okay. I'll make sure all those links in the show notes. Thanks again, my friend. Thank you. Always appreciative of my guest's time. I never take that for granted. I know an hour is valuable time, and I'm so grateful they were able to come on and share their journey with you. As a reminder, if you are ready to get your podcast off the ground and don't know where to start, sign up for Podcast Blueprint 101 and use promo code PBHD50 for half off the price. For a complete picture of everything that's happening in the world of podcasting and all the companies making moves, visit thepodosphere.com and create your own pod stack today. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Visit fullcast.co and click the play button to learn the five pillars of a successful podcast that every business owner needs to know prior to launching. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this show or past episodes, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies and I'll be sure to read those out on a future episode. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Visit cedarsoil.com for his full catalog. Tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating podcaster as we dig deep, learn about their show and what makes them tick. Thanks for all you do to support this show across all our socials. I truly appreciate it. Talk to you next week.